So uh, this big dog and pony show uh, on Capitol Hill, uh, testifying in front of some House committees about trying to censor Fox News, Newsmax, uh, One America, uh, you know, uh, let's get them out of here because we'd be a much stronger country if we only had liberal TV networks, right? That would be really, really good. So that was the hearing. Nothing will come of this. But there is a plan. There's a reason why this is happening. So I got Bernie Goldberg warming up in the bullpen now. He's going to come on in. I'll walk you through it. It's, a, it's an important story. And here, here's the setup. So um, basically, the, uh, there are two liberal members, both California Congress people, who are driving this let's cancel Fox News. Let me get their names here. I don't have, yes. Anna Eshu and Jerry McInerney. We told you about them yesterday. All right, so they uh, succeeded in getting a House subcommittee on communications and technology uh, to hear uh, these uh, complaints against uh, the conservative media. And then the Energy and Commerce Committee, they joined. So there are a lot of them in this hearing. The first soundbite I'm going to play for you is the chairman of the Communications Technology, Congressman Mike Doyle. Go. In the midst of this pandemic, we also saw the rise of the Stop the Steal movement, fomented by former President Trump and propagated by members of the media that sought to dispute the outcome of our elections and overturn our democratic process. As we all know, this led directly to the horrific events of January 6th. So what? So he's reading it off the paper that one of his assistants wrote for him. So what? We all know that. Why are you wasting our time? They're wasting our time because they're basically going to pin the controversy over the election and the insurrection at the Capitol on the conservative media. So they tried to pin it on Donald Trump and impeachment. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, but and that didn't work. Now they're going to try to pin it on the conservative television outlets. That's what that was all about. And so because they did that, because they disrupted uh, our electoral process, and that led to the violence at the Capitol, you got to get them out of here. They have to go off the air, okay? The second soundbite is a Republican congressperson who's very upset by all this. Go. In all my time on this committee, there's never been a more obvious, direct attack on the First Amendment, despite what has been said. I want to be very clear. Condemning the January 6th attack and upholding truth and facts, it's a shared bipartisan goal. Unfortunately, that's not what this hearing is about. If the majority was really interested in a meaningful dialogue, you wouldn't schedule a hyper-partisan hearing to shame and blame. You wouldn't be sending letters pressuring private companies to block conservative media outlets. I'm not only disappointed in this hearing, I'm deeply troubled by it. And so am I. Number one, it's a waste of taxpayers' money. This is just, you know, why are you doing this? You have no chance for the government uh, to take any action against any news network. That's not going to happen. So why are they doing it? I'll get there. I'll get there. But I have to play you one more soundbite. This is by 
a woman named Soledad O'Brien used to work at CNN, a very committed liberal woman, but she did uh, criticize uh, NBC News and CNN today uh, for all of the uh, phony business in the Russian collusion stuff. You remember that. Of course, everybody remembers that. It happened for three years. We didn't hear any uh, threats against CNN and NBC News that the big corporation should hurt them for that bogus coverage. Do you hear that? No. So Ms. O'Brien pointed that out, but still her sentiments lie with the progressives. Go. I think that you should not be allowed, uh, and this should be through the news organization, should not want people to be on the air if they are, in fact, lying and they are liars. Okay, so who decides that? Who decides if they're liars or lying? You remember uh, Al Franken? He wrote a book, Lying Liars or something. In that book, he said that I was not born and raised in Levittown, Long Island. He said it flat out. O'Reilly's a liar. He wasn't born there. And then I had to produce uh, the deed to my parents' home, which I did. Clearly said Levittown. So I'm only telling you that, number one, because Al Frank is the lowest form of humanity. Don't get lower than him. And number two, and I wanted to remind everybody about that, and number two, that, okay, you could call anybody a liar. You, you can do that all day long. Oh, uh, you like the Kansas City Chiefs? You thought they were going to win a Super Bowl? You're a liar. They lost. So, uh, Ms. O'Brien, who are you? Are you going to be the arbitrator of who's a liar and who isn't? I hearken back. I love that. To Barney Frank. Remember Barney? Okay, on, on the O'Reilly factor when he lied right in front of you. I had a videotape. He basically said the federal government wasn't responsible for the bogus loans coming out of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And then when I said, of course they were responsible, he goes, I didn't say that. I said, what? Here's the tape. And it was, you know, Google it. O'Reilly Barney Frank. Google it. Now, I had him back on after that. I didn't ban him. He obviously wasn't telling you the truth. I scolded him, you know in a very loud way, but who's the arbitrary? Oh no, you shouldn't put liars on. I mean, I don't want to be flipping about this, but if you're going to have a truth serum, you're not going to have any television news. Lying is pervasive. Spinning, no spin zone. Reason, no spin news. I have that moniker. All right, so that was uh, what happened today on Capitol Hill. It didn't get anybody anywhere. It won't. So uh, what is really going on? Okay. So the California congressman, Eshoo and McInerney, sent letters to AT&T, Verizon, Roku, Amazon, Apple, Comcast, Charter Communications, Dish, Cox, Altice, Alphabet, and Hulu. And on those letters, uh, they said, you should not carry Fox News, Newsmax, and One America dump them. And if that happened, okay, then you wouldn't have those networks because they don't broadcast like NBC, ABC, and CBS does over the public airways. They broadcast through private companies, okay, that take them and put them on cable systems. It's a whole different thing. So the far left, the progressives say, we're going to strangle. We tried the boycotts. It has worked. We've targeted people like Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, uh, we've targeted them, hurt them. 
Cowardly corporations now won't advertise. We've done that, but we still haven't gotten them off the air because there are traditional conservative people who are going to watch them no matter what we do, no matter how many sponsor boycotts there are. They're still going to do that. They're still going to watch. But now we're going to go. We're going to get where they live. We're going to get Verizon and all these people to dump them, take them right off because they're liars and they led to uh, they lied about the pandemic and they lied about this and the election and the, the, uh, yeah, on and on and on. OK, that's the end game. Will they succeed? No, they won't succeed this time, this time, but to coming back now. I have told you and told you and told you I had to experience this every day of my life when I worked for Fox. I mean, George Soros pumped tens of millions of dollars into operations like Media Matters designed to cripple and hurt me. All right. Every single day. Talk about lying. My God. So we got through it, except when the management changed over there and then it got too intense. But that was fine. All right. I'm much better off running my own news operation. But I'm sure somewhere, sometime, somebody's going to try to cancel me somehow. That's why I've got five lawyers. Okay. And they're good. So when you come into my zone now to attack, you're going to pay a price. And that costs a lot of money. But we're able to do it. We have to do it. It's a war. It's a war. Okay, for the hearts and minds, not only there's a lot of heart in it, of the American people. It's a propaganda war. And that is what we are seeing played out. So um, when you see all of this happen, no, it's designed to shut down opposing speech. The progressive left, the far left, does not want to hear anything that goes against their orthodoxy. And they want to punish people who do it. Don't see that on the right. You don't see people on Newsmax calling for CNN to shut down. At least I haven't seen it. Maybe there's loons everywhere. Maybe they've done it, but I haven't seen it. Okay? All coming from one precinct here. Note that. Everything is expensive these days. You know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD or text GOLD to 65532. All right. Joining us now from North Carolina, the purveyor of the very successful 
website, bernardgoldberg.com. All kinds of fun stuff, interesting stuff going on there. We'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the interview. So in my assessment of what's happening with the censorship and the attacks on right-wing media, am I misstating anything in your opinion, Bernie? I feel very uncomfortable, Bill. I have to be honest with you. I agreed with everything you said, and that makes me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> no. Uh, okay, let me, make, let me make several points. First, I have a friend, a very smart guy, who back in the 60s was a anti-war liberal, uh, anti-war liberal activist. Over the years, he became a conservative. A few years ago, he said to me, if the left ever is in a position to take control, they will try to shut down free speech. I wasn't buying it. He's right. It turns out he's absolutely right. Because if the liberals on this committee had their way, if they thought they can get away with it, which, as you said, they can't, but if they thought they can get away with it, they would try to shut down any kind of opinions that they disagreed with. That's point number one. Point number two, the purpose of this hearing ostensibly was to come out against misinformation, disinformation, lies that pose as facts. Hey, I'm against that also. You're against that also. But the problem is that too many liberals think that the only disinformation that's worth talking about is coming from conservative media. Oh, there's plenty of disinformation coming from CNN and MSNBC, but they don't want to talk about that. Adam Schiff, a member of the same Congress that held this hearing today, Adam Schiff disseminates false information all the time, but that doesn't seem to bother them. Okay, that's point number two, that they think it's only a conservative problem. And my final point, Bill, they want to talk about information that poses, that presents itself as fact, but it's really either lies or disinformation. But it'll take them 10 seconds before they go from supposedly factual information to opinion that they don't like, that they'll try to shut down. It's one thing to say, I don't want somebody on the air to say the earth is flat because it isn't flat. That's a fact. I'm, I'm all for that. But when it gets into opinion, as you, as you rightly asked, who's going to be the judge of what opinion is false and what opinion is acceptable? That's the problem. Well, vibrant uh, debate is the mark of a democracy, of a country that respects uh, opposing points of view. We're not a country that respects opposing points of view anymore. We're not. That's right. Um, That's right. And, and on both sides. On both sides. So the game now totally is to, to run the other side down. All right. Just totally down. All right. So I'll give you an example. So I'm talking to Sean Hattie on his radio program today. And we're talking about Joe Biden. And, and uh, there's a clip of Mr. Biden yesterday. Um, not able. He's, he's not able to get out that 500,000 Americans have died from COVID. Can't get it out. Just can't say it. For whatever reason. All right. And so the discussion was about cognitive decline on the part of the president. So it was a very interesting discussion. 
Um, there weren't any facts presented because we're not doctors. I mean, we can't go in and say uh, Joe Biden has X, Y, and Z. What we can say is that this is what is happening. That's a fact. Okay, so whether you like Joe Biden or not, that's a discussion that's worth having because he's the leader of the country. Now, the other side would shut that discussion off. You, would, you couldn't have it because you're lying about Joe Biden. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm raising questions about Joe Biden as I raise questions about Donald Trump in certain areas. I'm not saying anything because I don't know. I'm not a physician. But they would shut that down. And I don't, I don't think people understand, but the big threat here are the corporations, Bernie. So you saw the boycott stuff. You saw big corporations pulling ads just on accusations, allegations, nothing solid. We don't like them. Uh, so you pull your ad or else. And they did. And now they're trying the same tactic on the cable carriers. You better pull them off. You don't pull them off. We're going to hurt you. That's what's going on here. They're cowards. Corporate America has become an institution composed largely of cowards. They don't want to, they don't want to question whether, uh, they don't want to debate. They don't want a healthy debate. They don't want two sides of a discussion. They have taken sides, and the side they've taken is the, excuse, the woke, woke, left-wing side of arguments. So if you say that America is a fundamentally, irredeemably racist country, you won't get in any trouble with any corporation no. in America. But no. if you go on and say, I don't buy that argument. Are there racists in a country of 330 million people? Yes, there are. And I, don't, I would prefer that there be none. But yeah, there are some racists and it's a bad thing. But America is not a fundamentally racist country. You might get fired for that. As a matter of fact, let me give you a real life example. Uh, a play-by-play -play announcer for the Sacramento Kings uh, basketball team in the NBA was asked what he thinks of Black Lives Matter in a tweet. He tweeted back, and this is a verbatim tweet, all lives matter. That's what he said, all lives matter. And he lost his job 10 seconds after he did that. Okay? He was gone. That's a problem. That's you a problem, bet. and, it, ought to be, and it, it, it should be the media that speaks out against what's going on, but the media all too often is paving the way. Yeah, they're participating canceling. in the censorship. Look, if you allow Silicon Valley, and there has to be new laws uh, drawn up by Congress and signed, signed by a president to regulate uh, the censorship coming out of uh, Facebook and, and all of these others, Twitter, there have to be because they have special protections. Those companies are given special protections by the federal government. So you can't sue them directly for certain things. Um, but if you allow that to happen so that they can knock out anybody who's using social media to get a point across, that's not open to them. Then they knock out uh, television and radio because if you give an opinion that I don't think masks uh, stop a transmission of COVID, you, that opinion, I believe, is wrong. But if you do it, you're done, out. Okay, so that 
you can't have any discussion about anything like that. Then we then descend into totalitarianism. And that's the only way socialism can be imposed. The only right. way socialism can come is not through a free society, but a totalitarian society. The, look, we all know about free speech, and people often misuse the term. The only people who cannot let you say certain things, even if they're false things, is the government. That's, free, that's, that's a violation of free speech. But there's something else known as the spirit of free speech. So while the government can't shut you down for saying things it, the government disagrees with, even if they're false things, the government can't shut you down. But if Silicon Valley decides to shut you down, that's a violation of the spirit of free speech. You know what? It may not be illegal. As a matter of fact, it's not illegal as of today, but it's wrong. And when powerful institutions where millions and millions of people get their news, I mean, they're not getting their news from the CBS Evening News the way they used to when we worked their bill. Now they're getting it from Facebook, you know, and Twitter. Well, if those powerful institutions can shut down free speech, the spirit of free speech, That's and if right. they're doing it, and if they're doing it in conjunction with one political party, the Democratic Party, that's tantamount to the government shutting down free speech. It's not yep. the same, but it's cl pretty close to the same. Okay, so you and I, we run our own operations, and we are selling freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of thought. That's what Goldberg and O'Reilly sell. Okay, now I do it uh, through the No Spin News that you're watching and listening to right now. I also do it through syndicated radio, uh, through writing and, and things like that. You, uh, Bernie Goldberg, have BernardGoldberg.com. It's your operation. How difficult is it for you to make a go of it? That's a very interesting question, Bill. That, very interesting. Because in the, in the current state of media, and, and you made a very important point a few seconds ago when you said, it isn't about debate anymore. It's about putting down the other side. That's what cable news has become, for instance, just putting down the other side. I don't do that on my website. I put down the other side when I firmly believe the other side is wrong. But when I believe that my side is wrong, I also write about that. So if anybody is looking for a place to go where they're only going to get their own opinions validated, where nobody's going to say, I think you're wrong about this and here's why, don't waste your time coming to BernardGoldberg.com. I don't want you to waste your time. My website says, and as your show does, this is what I think. It is only my opinion. It's, it's an educated opinion in that I've been a newsman for more years than I care to announce to the whole world. But it's only my opinion. Sometimes my opinion is something you will agree with, but sometimes it's something you will disagree with. I will never, ever pander to my audience. I have too much respect for the people who come to my website. Yeah. I will never pander to them. And, for you, and you have too much respect for yourself. Uh, and that's the way I look at it. Um, so anyway, I want people to uh, go to BernardGoldberg.com, check it out. 
Um, don't mind if Bernie's a little obnoxious. That's just the way he was born. It's not his fault. Um, but he is charming in his own way, and you'll see that. It comes through um, uh, on the website. <laughs> so thanks for taking the time to talk with us. We really appreciate it, Bernie. Once, once again, I feel uncomfortable today because <laughs> I, I think a lot of sense. All right. We'll see you soon, I hope. All right. Democrats are canceling uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo. We couldn't find one liberal pundit sticking up for the governor last night. Not one. CNN has muted his brother, Chris Cuomo, as a nine o'clock program. He can't mention his brother, Andrew Cuomo, the governor. So Democrat Assemblyman Ronald Kim wants uh, Cuomo impeached, not Chris, Andrew, in New York. We don't have recall here like you have in California. Newsom, I I think Newsom may be gone this year. But anyway, Andrew Cuomo can't be recalled, but he can be impeached. And the Democrats leading the way. Okay, and uh, 11 members of the New York State Democratic Party have submitted a resolution in the legislature in Albany to censure Andrew Cuomo. So they're after him. And this is, everybody's asking me, why are they, why are the left after one of their own? Remember just two, three weeks ago, Andrew Cuomo was like, oh, the big, he's going to be attorney general. He's going to do this. Here's why they're after him. Because the smart heads in the progressive party know they've overreached. And I'm going to do that in the final thought. They know it. So now they're throwing Cuomo because you can't defend what Cuomo did. I mean, people died, and he won't admit it, but it's true. He can't defend it. Nobody can defend it. So they're going to throw him over the side into the ocean so they can point to, oh, no, 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 we just don't cancel conservatives. We, we, we cancel all bad people. That's why they're doing it. Isn't this fascinating? Two federal investigations, one by the FBI out of Brooklyn, um, into the nursing home Cuomo situation. And now uh, some Republican senators uh, want to launch an investigation uh, out of Capitol Hill on Andrew. <laughs> Andrew. And this is just an aside. CNN, you know, you know what CNN is. Okay. Hate Trump, this and that. The week of January 18th, they were still hating Trump. Okay. Um, they got on prime time an average of 2,800,000 uh, viewers. The week of February 8th, they lost 35% of their audience, and it's going to go down to 50 and 60%. CNN, gone, vanished. Along with Trump, as soon as Trump left, CNN and MSNBC's audience, woo! Now, Fox is having trouble, you know that across the board. Um, so as I predicted, they're all going to be have not a good year this year, unless some big thing happens. Reparations for slavery. And we've got a good guest on this coming up. He's warming up in the bullpen in Kansas for us. All right. So um, there was a study done at Harvard, my alma mater. And uh, two guys did this study, Dr. Eugene Richardson and Dr. Momin Malik. And they uh, came to the conclusion that descendants of slaves should receive $800,000 per household in reparations. And if they did, they got $800,000, then maybe that 
slavery thing would be uh, mitigated. <laughs> okay, that's never going to happen in a million years. So anyway, uh, Joe Biden, he doesn't oppose reparations like his former boss, Barack Obama, did. Here's what uh, Jen Psaki said about President Biden. He has signed an executive order on his first day, uh, which would begin to deliver on his commitment to having an uh, across-government uh, approach to addressing uh, racial inequality and, and, and making sure equity is a part of his entire policy agenda. But he certainly would support a study of reparations. Uh, and we understand uh, understands that we don't need a study to take action right now. I don't know what that means. There's going to be a study. Whenever you hear that, we're going to have a commission. No, we're going to have a study. Whenever you hear that, it means nothing's going to happen. Okay, so there is a bill, H.R. 40, that would uh, do something, create a commission. Okay, the bottom line is not going to be any reparations, direct payments to descendants of slaves in the United States. Not going to happen because it would be so explosive and cause so much damage to race relations People are going, hey, I lost descendants fighting for the North. Uh, I had my uh, property seized. Um, you know, what about this? What about it? I mean, it would never end. So it's not going to happen. J.P. Morgan has tapped $30 billion to advance racial equity. This is the Biden thing. So J.P. Morgan is going to put $30 billion of its own money, kind of, toward supplying more loans to customers and businesses of color, expanding operations and opening branches to serve more communities in uh, the neighborhoods that are uh, marginalized and investing in new technology to help somebody. I don't have any problem with that. I don't have any problem with JP Morgan spending 30 billion or 80 billion or 90 billion bringing services to people uh, in neighborhoods that are underserved. None. I don't have any problem with J.P. Morgan hiring as many minorities as they want to hire, as long as they're qualified. Okay? No problem. This is a private company. They can do what they want. But, there's <laughs> always a but. Out of the $30 billion, they're taking their tax credit for it. So they're taking a tax write-off for this equity business, J.P. Morgan is. So they're deducting it. So they're going to pay less tax. This huge company, this huge bank company, less money is going in to the Treasury, U.S. Treasury, because they're taking a write-off on it. Just thought you'd like to know that. That'll never be reported by anybody else, but this and that. Uh, I mentioned Barack Obama. He opposes reparations, or at least he did it in the past. Very, very clearly, quote, I'm going to quote him. This is July 27, 2008. I have said in the past, I'll repeat again, the best reparations we can provide are good schools in the inner city and jobs for people who are unemployed, unquote. So um, there you go. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day, and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. I was bringing Michael Austin. He is the director of the Sandalin Center for Entrepreneurial Government 
um, in Wichita, Lawrence, Kansas, I should say. Uh, and he has been an advisor to the governor of Kansas. He uh, knows his economic stuff. So did I make any mistakes, uh, Michael, in my run-up to reparations that you heard? Do you disagree with anything I said? Uh, no, not at all. Reparations, if done, would be, my word, the largest government handout the country would ever see. And it's going to be as effective in solving race relations as the New Deal and war on poverty were effective in growing the economy, right? So in other words, a complete disaster. Uh, we here at the Kansas Policy Institute educate. Government agencies can only do one thing and one thing well, and that's give out government handouts. We really need to empower the people uh, to be the best version of themselves. That's the best way to see equality out there. Okay, so what do you say to a person who says, listen, Michael, um, you know, my relatives, uh, my ancestors were enslaved. Uh, then after that, they couldn't get an education. They had to move to Michigan to make a living. They had to live in a ghetto. Uh, they weren't, uh, didn't pass down any legacy any material things to their children. And that cycle of poverty and that cycle of deprivation lasts up to this minute. Aren't we entitled, we, the victims of slavery, all these years later, aren't we entitled to some government help? How would you answer that? Well, there already is government help, but you have to also understand we as a society don't you know, hold people responsible for things that happened in the past. And secondly, when you think about reparations, we're not talking about reparations. Reparations means there's a specific victim and there's a specific perpetrator. We're talking about government handouts. Take myself, for example, my family didn't come to America until well after slavery ended. Do you think Joe Biden and his reparations study are going to take that into consideration and spend fewer dollars? No, of course not. This is functionally no different than uh, canceling student loans or Medicare for all. It's all about massively expanding uh, government handouts. Now, the president of the United States, Mr. Biden, seems to be on board with uh, handing out as much as he can to so-called marginalized communities, not just African-Americans, but there's a whole list. And this is the equity play that he did the first day he uh, was in office. How do you feel about that, giving favorable treatment to so-called marginalized groups? It, it depends on what that treatment is, but I think for most of the, for, for most arguments, you don't create equity, you don't create justice by making one group worse off than the other. Um, and second, this talk about free stuff, either uh, free health care or free tuition or even reparations, it's all about taking you know, people's hard-earned money and spending it in the most flamboyant way possible, regardless of the results. Why do you think that 90% of African-American voters continue to support the Democratic Party in places like Chicago, New York? Philadelphia, Baltimore, when their whole society is falling apart around them, crime is crazy, poor people are suffering, being murdered by the thousands. Why do they still support the people who don't seem to be able to help them? Well, let me flip that question a little bit. You know, why do politicians keep pushing these race-baiting tactics and, and policies? And my answer to that would be it's like football. You know, the politicians are going to keep running the rape reparations, the race hustling tactics until, you know, the other side figures out how to stop it. And if the left continues to get more support for socialism and wealth redistribution from doing these types of tactics, 
then the more that they're going to do it. So the only thing that we can do as a society, I think, is present our elected officials with, sim with two simple questions. You know, at what cost and what evidence do you have? You know, at but, the Kansas but even Institute, if you do that, you're not going to convince the politicians because they're going to buy as many votes as they can buy. We all know that. But the folks, the regular folks, I, I don't I can't answer the question. You go to the Bronx in Brooklyn where I live and you see that it's totally out of control. There's no public safety at all. Yet the folks continue to vote in the people who hurt them. And I don't get it. Last word. I think what's most important is when you set those questions as what the cost is, what is the evidence, you'll find very many policies uh, far left can push through those questions. And you're right. So much of this year, uh, have, the society has had a mindset that just seems contrary to Dr. King, right, which is holding yourself to the content of your character. I have learned that making good choices, finding a job, treating others with kindness can go a long way in providing anyone a life that is spare. And we just have to get that word out there again. All right, Michael, thanks very much for helping us out. We appreciate it. If any of you can explain to me, anybody, I mean, write to me, Bill at BillOReilly.com, why people in the African-American community devastated for decades, for hundreds of years in some cases, continue to vote for people who hurt them. I, I, I don't think Michael was able to answer the question, and I'd love an answer if anybody has a good opinion on that. All right, let's do the mail. Always a fun part of the program. Wayne, concierge, remember? Which means Wayne has direct access to me. Bill, the cancel culture thing is not just about denial of due process. It's about denial of the very concept of redemption. It is the denial of a man's right to make mistakes and to change, and a woman's right, too. You've got to be politically correct, Wayne. Very good, Wayne. Very good. Janice Kidd, Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Bill, I think the simplest way to end cancel culture by corporations and news media is boycott. I'm not a big boycott guy, but I am going to suggest to people who don't like the cancel culture that those who do it, who push it, who embrace it, you don't do business with them. It's different from a boycott. I'm not organizing any boycotts, okay? I'm just saying this person's doing this, you make the call. You have the power, as we saw in San Francisco. That was the folks that turned that school board around. Kent, your analysis of cancel culture is very good, but how do we as Americans, and there are millions of us, counter can cancel culture and biased media? They are in control. Buy your dollars. That's how you do it. And that's why we're doing this campaign. Vaughn McGraw, Waterbury, Connecticut. Bill, after listening to the No Spin News, it breaks my heart that our country could lose all its rights in a single generation. I served my country in the late 1970s. I'm so disappointed in what's happening. So am I. But I think it's going to turn. And that's a final thought coming right up. Michael Noble of Vancouver, Canada. I unfortunately see exactly what is happening, Bill, and I disagree with you and what you said about Gina Carano. She did not equate Nazis with the political climate in America. Disney is not the problem. Disney is the symptom of the problem. Well, I disagree on both fronts. Uh, Gina Carano didn't do anything malicious. She should not have been canceled, should not have been fired. But you don't use the Nazi analogy 
to make a point about contemporary politics in America. It's just not valid. Okay? So she made a mistake there. Disney fired her in a fascistic way. So Disney, in my opinion, my humble opinion, is the problem. Stephen, if U.S. Olympic hockey team beat our ideological political rival today, they would be called privileged white guys who are racist and white supremacists. <laughs> Might be. John, concierge member. Thank you, John. Watch some of Merrick Garland's confirmation. All I can say is thank God he's not on the Supreme Court. I agree 100%. That was the best thing Donald Trump did, the three Supreme Court appointees. Paul Worley, St. Louis. Come on, Bill. Anyone with common sense will realize a trip to Cancun wasn't going to change the power problem in Texas. No, but leadership has got to be on the scenes in time of crisis. Charlie, Bill O. Yeah, the optics look bad for Ted Cruz, but tell me this. What the hell can a senator do? Shake hands, mingle with the proletariat? Got to be on the scene. Got to be. Chris Dolofsky, Philadelphia. Bill, why are left-wing media outlets like NBC attacking Governor Cuomo? He's a Democrat. That's usually a pass from the media. And I explained it. But I wanted to read your letter because you were on it, and your question prompted me to put the segment in tonight, Chris. Kyle Beatty, I've been listening to you for many years, Mr. O'Reilly. Thanks for delivering the news with clarity and no spin. I'm also a big fan of the Killing Books. And on that note, if you pre-order Killing the Mob out May 4th, you get 50% off Killing Crazy Horse. If you re-up your premium or concierge member, you get the books free. I mean, that, that's a good deal. You might want to think about it. Okay, when writing to us, do not be a jack and apes. I love that word. J-A-C-K-A-N-A-P-E-S. Jack and apes. Don't be that. Back with a final thought in a moment. All right, uh, final thought of the day. We are helping uh, independencefund.org, as we have for decades. And um, they are going to deliver their 2,500th track chair in Phoenix, Arizona, on March 26th. 2,500 chairs. So we've raised a lot of money for them. And I got a letter from Neil, uh, and I want to put it up on the screen so you know how these track chairs affect people. Thank you, Bill O'Reilly, for your support. You changed the life of this Vietnam combat wounded veteran recipient of the Purple Heart with the support of the Independence Fund and the track chairs. I cannot tell you what a blessing it is has become for me. So Neil can go now hunting and go to the beach. uh, And this is what we do. So the track chairs are a huge benefit. Federal government should be doing this. They're not. So we the people have to. Independence Fund, one word, independencefund.org. We are proud to help the severely wounded vets. All right. That is it for us tonight. As always, we thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.